Well, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavis, licensed nutritionist and certified nutrition specialist. Today, Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company providing nutritional information and counseling that clients call life-changing. If you missed last week's show on prostate health, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. Just go to weightandwellness.com and click on radio shows and the titles of the past shows will pop up and you can listen. Our special guest guest last week was Greg Peterson. You know, he's been educating doctors and chiropractors and nutritionists about disease prevention for the past 40 years. Oh boy. <laughs> Even longer than myself. That's great. So there, you know, that man, he has such a wealth of information in his brain. Just amazing. You know, he did an excellent job of staying away from the technical medical terms but still explained a very complicated medical condition in the language that most men could easily understand about prostate health. And we know that four out of five men over the age of 50 experience prostate problems. You know, it's really was an important show, I think, for all men. So today I thought we we're going to lighten it up a bit <laughs> and look at habits that affect our lives. Joining me today as our co-host is Kristen Gunderson. And I'm sure many of you listeners have had, you know, you as a teacher, as a nutrition educator in the last six years, six years, Kristen. Yep. <laughs> you know, you've been helping change people's lives for six years. That's great. That's pretty fun. You know, and I know for sure that this is happening because I read it on all the class evaluation sheets. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, you know, when I'm out working at different centers, they come up and talk to people, tell me, you know, I love the way Kristen teaches and oh. they they enjoy your classes a lot and they make changes. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about habits because we're going to lighten it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So good morning, everybody and Dar and all of you guys in my classes every week. Um, we do have an ongoing theme in our nutrition for weight loss classes, and that's something that we like to call habits holding us back. Um, every week we want to identify something that's maybe um, holding us back from achieving our goals, and we like to identify habits that we need to get rid of that hurt us. And we start to look at habits that we can form to help us move forward in improving our health. And at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we were really excited about a book that came out last March called Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Our Everyday Lives by Gretchen Rubin. So we thought our listeners would like to know more about how all of us can establish these good habits. So we're really pleased this morning to have the author, Gretchen Rubin, joining, joining us by phone. Good morning, Gretchen. It's really, thank you very much for being on our show this morning. I'm very happy to be talking to you. So this is not your first book. You have a bestseller called The Happiness Project. And Kristen, before we went on air, you were mentioning in classes... Yeah, everyone was excited to hear you, Gretchen, and had known about that book. So we're excited to have you. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be talking to you. So your book, this one, <laughs> uh, Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Everyday Lies. So what motivated you to write a book about habits? Well, you know, I'd been, I, I, I wrote The Happiness Project, and I wrote a book called Happier at Home. And so I had been thinking and talking to people and researching happiness 
for years, and I began to notice a pattern, which was that often when people would talk about a big happiness challenge, they were often pointing to something that really at its core was a problem with habit formation. So somebody would say to me, oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm just exhausted all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's about the habit of getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And also, you know, I, would, I did all these things and people would say to me, but how did you actually do it? Like, how did you actually get yourself to do these things? And I realized that often when I did make change, it had to do with changing a habit. So I became increasingly fascinated by the role that habits could play in a happier, healthier, more productive life. Oh, great. And that's we talk a lot about that on this show, of course. You know, we talk yeah. about focusing habits we have to we have to establish around food and eating. And then yeah. in our classes, we are teaching people new habits Um how to get rid of old habits, the habits holding them back, et cetera. So when you surveyed people, which habits did you find people wanted to tackle most often, Gretchen? Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, there's no one habit that really towered above the rest, but there were seven categories, um, like what I call the essential seven. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that just about anything that, you know, and I heard hundreds of different habits that people wanted to form. Just about anything fit into those essential seven. And of that, one of them is definitely to eat and drink more healthfully. <laughs> I mean, that, does, that doesn't surprise us too much, I oh. don't think. Oh, sure. I mean, it's one that just comes up constantly. So what's, an, what's another one that, was, that came up? What was maybe the second or third uh, we, habit? Well, again, like I, there, without ranking them, um, exercising regularly, Saving and spending and earning wisely, so one's around money. Rest, relax, and enjoy. That's things like getting away from your cell phone, mm-hmm. like not, what, not staying up till 3 a.m., binge-watching um, a show, uh, feeling like you're in a moment, um, not procrastinating, you know, accomplishing something regularly, whether it's practicing guitar or, um, uh, you know, you, writing a novel in your free time, something like that. Simplifying, clear, cleaning, and organizing. Um, you know, we get overwhelmed by clutter, so habits related to staying on top of sort of our, our, our physical environment. And then finally, to engage more deeply in relationships. And so for some people, that was about their family. For some people, that was about spending more time with friends. Some people, you know, their spiritual life and feeling more engaged with God or with nature. You know, just having this feeling of engaging in meaningful relationships. So those seven kind of anything mm-hmm. that anybody said slotted in somewhere <laughs> there. I would guess so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of going back to the one that was the most popular, eating and drinking. You know, I think most people today, it seems like. They like to change their eating habits. Um, well, you know, if you look at the number of people that have weight issues, it's like, yeah. you know, 60, almost yeah. 70% of the population, and yeah. it goes up all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, you know, our program, Nutrition for Weight Loss, is all about changing eating habits. Yep. And it's, you know, it's really so much more than just losing weight, it, you know. You know, and that that goal, we know that seems to be the reason that people sign up for the class. But, you know, what keeps them is that they have less aches and pains. They have more energy. They have less gas. And yeah. that's what's really keeping them changing their habits. You know, Gretchen, you have some realistic ways to help people change these habits. So I'd like to talk about each of your six recommendations. You know, let's start with that one that you called the clean slate. What does it mean by the clean slate? 
Well, so the, the strategy of the clean slate is a very powerful strategy, but it's not one that's available to us at all times. The strategy of the clean slate is that when we go through a major transition, um, our old habits are wiped clean and new habits can crowd in, and that's a, a fantastic opportunity. Um, in one study of major habit change, um, and one of the things they looked at was people changing eating habits, 36% were associated with somebody who was moving. <laughs> so a big, giant move, like a move, a physical move, is, an, is a great opportunity. But it could also be a, a change in a relationship, getting married, getting divorced, having a new baby, having a new puppy. Um, it could be a change in circumstance, a new job, a new school. Um, but when, but it's, a, it's a terrific opportunity because since all the old habits have been broken, we can shape those new habits much more easily. So, for instance, let's say you get a new job. You move to a new city, you get a new job. You want... You've got a clean slate right away, first day. First day on a job, you want to bring your lunch. You know, if you've been saying, I want to give up fast food, I want to start cooking, I want to start bringing a healthy lunch from home, the very first day, that first week, you want to lock in that new habit because you don't have the habit of going out to fast food from this job, from this workplace. You're not, oh, this is the friend that I always go to, and this is the place that I always go, and here's what I always get. You don't have that. Because you're someplace new, you're in a new circumstance. So start out. So it's a great way to shape a habit the way you want it to be, but you don't have to overcome the weight of those old habits because they're not there. Yeah, you know, and we moved into a house last July, and that was my clean slate. I had lived in an apartment for, I think, nine years, and just myself, so just able to walk in, drop everything on the floor, not really, not really care where it ended up. I mean, I wasn't living in a pit or anything, but, yeah. you know, living with someone that I love and care yeah. about and want to make sure, you know, maybe I'm not annoying them. That was my clean slate to be like, OK, you can take five minutes and put your stuff where it needs to go. Right. And we don't have we don't have those little piles sitting around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But it's it's funny because I thought, you know, I'm going to start over here, you know, yeah. new habit. And that's exactly what it was, the clean slate. So well, I heard a great example of somebody doing this um, where she was desperately trying to overcome the habit of stopping off for fast food on her way home from work. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, she couldn't. And she said it was like out of her control, like the car, like the steering wheel would turn itself practically and yes. she would do it. But then she got in. She, she wanted she leased a new car. And um, for whatever reason, and, and you know how new cars, they feel so pristine and they have mm-hmm. that smell and they just feel like sanitary, you know, but that lasts like a week. Um, <laughs> so her thing was like, in this new car, yeah, I will not sell it with fast food. <laughs> and, and she said it was like, fine. Yeah. That yeah. broke it. It was somehow that new, just the new car. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of different environment was enough to let her break a habit that felt kind of um, incurable. Right. Well, we are going to take... looking for that. She took advantage of that moment. And that's the thing about the clean slate. We kind of have to be looking for it. Like you were saying, I'm in a new place. I'm going to behave in a different way. You have to be thinking of it or you can miss the opportunity. Exactly. So, Gretchen, one of the things, we have to take a little you know, break here for... And so we'll... Kristen's going to take us into break, and so just hang on, and okay. we'll be back in a you know in a little bit in a here. Flash. So you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Just want to alert all of our listeners that we're offering you a fifty dollars early bird discount on our two July Weight and Wellness series, beginning the week of July thirteenth, and that will also include our weekend Weight and Wellness series in Wyzetta, July twenty fourth to twenty sixth. 
So my mom, now a retired nurse, she took that weight and wellness series. She got 14.4 continuing ed credits that she was required to get, um, was able to put into practice the weight and wellness eating plan for her own health. And it was a win-win. So check with your employer. Maybe they'll pay for the series for you as well. And to sign up, go to weightandwellness.com or call 651-699-3438. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Cavis, licensed nutritionist. And I'm here with with, uh, Kristen Gunderson, nutrition educator and the author of Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Our Everyday Lives, Gretchen Rubin. You know, before we get back to our topic, I want to remind our listeners of our summer supplement sale on Wednesday, July 1st, they get, people can save 10% on products all day, either in person or online. You know, when you order online, shipping is free. But we also love seeing people and have them come into our office and visit with us. So we have six locations. So all of them are open that day, long hours. So any questions about this first Wednesday of the month sale, call 651 651- Six nine nine three four three eight, and then before we went on break, we were talking about how you can change your habits by using the technique of a clean slate. And I think, Christian, you do this all the time. I know you <laughs> give that example before about when you moved into your new house, but you also do it other times of year. Yeah, well, and I think this applies, Gretchen. You let me know. But, you know, for runners, we have those new training plans, you know, whether it's a 5K or a half marathon or a marathon. And they give you those training plans so you can have a clean slate, start over, maybe start um, with some easier runs to begin with so people maybe do them and don't jump right into the hard stuff. Um, But it's definitely something that I feel... um, is beneficial to just have that clean slate mentality. And because once a race is over, you maybe get a little bit of downtime and you might allow yourself a little bit of leeway with eating. And and it's just always nice to get right back at it when the training begins again and you have a clean slate and it's that new running schedule. For me, it forces me to prioritize maybe my sleep, getting my eating balanced a little better, my hydration better. And the goal is to be in the best shape possible to be to run a race. So I love that clean slate. It's just, it's very beneficial to all sorts of different areas in life. So maybe Gretchen, kind of recap about with people, our listeners, what are some other times that they might in, you know, use this clean slate idea to get back on track a little bit? Well, it's any kind of major transition. So if you have um, a new job if you, or even a, maybe a new boss, um, a new school, a physical move, that's one of the most, uh, most useful times. Um, for instance, they often tell people who are trying to quit smoking to quit smoking if they move, that to really take advantage of that. But a new relationship, too, like getting married, falling in love, getting a divorce. You know, often people gain weight and lose weight after divorce. Um, there are different patterns there. A new baby, a new baby, mm-hmm. all new habits you're going to have when you have that new baby. A new puppy, um, you know, anything that, that shakes you out of your old um, habits is yes. an opportunity. I think that's a, you know, great, great way to use that clean slate. You know, I, I really thought it was very wise for you to understand that many of us need to actually avoid or abstain from eating certain foods. Yes. 
So let's talk about the people that can just kind of moderate and, and be more moderate in their eating and those that have to abstain. Well, well, this is something that uh, was a huge revelation for me to understand about myself. So I, I like to divide the world into types of people. They say there are two kinds of people, those that divide the world into two kinds of people and those who don't, and I definitely am the kind that does. And what I've noticed is that there are abstainers and moderators when it comes to facing a strong temptation. Not a mild temptation, but a strong temptation. So abstainers are people like me, and we find it much easier to have none to never have something than to have a little bit. So I can have one, you know, no pretzels very easily, or I can have eight pretzels, but I don't want to have one pretzel. That's too hard for me. So um, abstainers are kind of all or nothing, but once they get going, they, they go all the way. You know, they're not going to eat half a dish of ice cream, for instance. You know, if they start, they're going to go all the way and maybe yes. want more. Mm-hmm. Moderators are people who get kind of, they get kind of panicky and rebellious if they're told they can never have something. They do better when they have it sometimes or they have a little bit. And often when they know they can have something, then they don't even want it. <laughs> and this explains something that had mystified me for years as an abstainer, which is the people who keep a bar of fine chocolate squirreled away somewhere in their home or their office, and every day or every other day, they have one square of fine chocolate, and that's all they want. And I thought, you know, for me, that bar of chocolate would just weigh on my mind. You know, (laughs) now, later, two, three, tomorrow, today, it's my birthday. You know, I would, I would just, it would just make me crazy until I'd eaten the entire bar of chocolate. (laughs) But for moderators, they like to have, they like to know they can just have a little bit. And so, um, it's important to know if you're what you're if if you're like this, um, because often I find as an abstainer that moderation is held up as the ideal. Like mm-hmm. an, you know, people will yes. say, "Well, you should have a cheat day," or people will say to me, "You're too rigid." Mm-hmm. Um, because I abstain from a lot. Yes, I mm-hmm. really do. And people say, "Well, it's not healthy to abstain from so much," but that's what works for me. That's what makes me happy. That's what makes me feel free. Uh, it's much easier. A lot of people think abstaining sounds harder because it's sort of more total. But if you are an abstainer personality, it's actually easier to have none mm-hmm. than to try to battle with moderation. So, you know, it was interesting, that whole concept, uh, Gretchen, because, you know, in our Nutrition for Weight Loss, our plan, our eating plan, we allow an ounce of chocolate every day. Dark. Dark. (laughs) So it's so interesting because abstainers absolutely eat the whole chocolate bar. So I've decided next time we make up a round of this, we are probably eliminating that whole thing about chocolate because I believe most of a lot of our people that are in our classes these days, don't you agree, Kristen, that are they need to be abstainers? Well, I just think it's it's just such a. chance for them to learn about themselves and really what they do respond well to. I Some people know, like we'll tell them they can have that ounce of chocolate a day and they're just like, well, I'm not going to buy it. I know I can't have it in the house. Right. Right. You know, and some of them are like, they look forward to it. They just have that one ounce. They, you know, they have it sitting out on their right. desk. They break it all up in little pieces, yep. you know, and so it's kind of interesting to see. Do you know yourself yet? <laughs> Do you mm-hmm. know which way you learn best? And that's that chocolate piece is the one that tends to bring it out in most people. And I think that your comment was, I mean, I to me, this is really wise 
working with people is you have to really know yourself. Yes. And it isn't better to be one or the other. No. 100%. It's just that's who you are. And just, you know, exactly live with who you really are. Know yourself. Like and that, look at some, some of those things. That lady you mentioned in the book, Gretchen, that socialite that got her place broken into uh-huh. and they went in her safe and found yes. some jewels and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's yeah. just keeping it in there. Yeah. I love it. Um, but, and the thing is, uh, I mean, I think this point, your point about knowing yourself is absolutely crucial because I think a lot of times when you read sort of the expert advice about habits, they, they suggest, oh, there's this magic one size fits all, fits all solution. Mm-hmm. You know, do it first thing in the morning, do it for 30 days, mm-hmm. give yourself a cheat day, start small. And mm-hmm. all of that works for some people some of the time, but it doesn't work for everybody all the time. And I think that... If you start by saying, well, what kind of person am I? When have I, when have I succeeded in the past? What, is, what am I like? Um, what do I do? And then you shape the habit to suit your own nature. Then you're going to have a much better um, chance for success. And I think a lot of times when people get discouraged when they can't um, change something, it's because they've been going around it the wrong way. And I have to say, from my perspective, in our culture, moderation is often held up as the ideal. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from so many people who say, you know, I've been trying to be moderate my whole life. I could never do it, but people kept telling me this was the way. And now that I know that, like, I'm an abstainer and this is a real thing and, like, you're an abstainer and there's, like, a whole bunch of us running around and it's totally <laughs> legit to be an abstainer, I just gave up. You know, people are like, oh, I just gave up flour. I gave up sugar. You know, I gave, my sister gave up French fries. Yeah. That's her kryptonite. Yeah. You know, and then they're like, and it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way you are. That's the easier way for you. But, again, it's back to this, what you, exactly what you said. You have to know yourself because also moderators, if they try to give up something altogether, they get a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Like it's not good for them to say they can't have it because then they get overly focused on it and they feel very deprived, which Absolutely. is not good. So they need to just say, yeah, you can have a little bit. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. That's what works for you. Just have a little bit. Now, if you're married to an if a abstainer is married to a moderator or you have abstainers and moderators together in an office, it can be a point of conflict. Yeah. But I think when people understand that there's no right way or wrong way, it's just how do we create a situation where we can both thrive, then it's easier to get to a place where everybody can feel comfortable. Right. And I think it all goes back to individuals' brain chemistry. And that's what we always try to help people understand. It's it's not what you're thinking or doing. It's kind of your brain chemistry that sets you up to be the kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. So Gretchen, we, we again have to take a quick little break here. So Kristen? You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. So we're talking a lot about habits today and as they relate to your nutrition and eating habits as well. Developing new habits, letting go of unhealthy ones, that makes up a lot of the information we practice weekly in our Nutrition for Weight Loss program. So we understand new habits don't come very easily sometimes, and unhealthy habits, maybe they want to hang on a little bit more than you'd like. So it takes practice and support. And, you know, a a phrase that I like to use a lot that I've got from my um, boyfriend is practice does not make perfect, practice makes permanent. And that's what we 
we practice in our class. We we tend to repeat things over and over because it needs to become permanent. Mm-hmm. And most of us can't make that change overnight. If just going to take some time and commitment. So the folks in my current classes, they're making some awesome new habits. They're practicing them daily. So you can join us. Sign up for Nutrition for Weight Loss. We've got some series beginning July 7th. Let it be the best money you have ever spent and the best time you will ever have. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, I want to share a little personal nugget. When my mother died of heart disease, I realized how important, how very important nutrition and eating real food is to everyone. You know, as a nation, we lost our way in the late 1940s with processed foods, trans fats, high fructose corn syrup, and factory foods. When we first developed our weight and wellness series of classes, my dream, my goal was to have them taught all over the world. And I know people laughed about that (laughs) behind my back. (laughs) (laughs) But I am still working on that dream. But my deep understanding of how important eating real food is to everyone is why I really dedicate 10 to 12 hours each week or more Mm -hmm. to preparing a Dishing Up Nutrition show that helps each one of you experience better health with the information we share. Eating the weight and wellness way is so much more than the paleo plan or the low fat plan or the low carb plan. It is really returning to healthy eating with real food in balance that supports your biochemistry and your health. And it is part of it is helping people change these habits that are so ingrained in people. So I think that's one of the reasons that I, I think this book is going to be fantastic for people to pick up and get some ideas. Even the whole concept that if you have to be an all or nothing person and you actually give it up, it isn't bad. It's okay. That's who you are. So, yeah. And like you were saying, Gretchen, it's, it's freeing for people when they realize that it's, it's, the abstainers that are just completely the all or nothing people. But like you said, your sister, she was free from French fries. You like to call it. No. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes people feel like they should change. And, um, and one of the things that I think is really true about habits is like, don't, don't try to change yourself, which is difficult at best and perhaps impossible, but change your circumstances because Mm -hmm. You can spend a huge amount of energy and time battling that pint of ice cream in the fridge, or you can just not buy it. Right. And then it's like, if you want ice cream, you're going to have to get in a car and drive and get an ice cream cone. And that's just going to be, a, you're just going to be much less likely to do that. And so you don't have to change. But if you think about how you can change your circumstances, your surroundings, then that makes change easier. And yeah, my sister, she just, She's one of these people that always wants to say yes to herself. She doesn't like to tell herself no. And (laughs) when she told me she was going to give up French fries, I said to her, but how are you going to not, you love French fries. How are you going to not have French fries if you are one of these people that always wants to say yes? And she said, well, now I tell myself that I'm free from French fries. (laughs) And, And some people, like, you know, I don't eat sugar. And people say, but what about, life's too short not to eat a brownie. What about all the joy that you're giving up? And I'm like, not eating a brownie makes me so much happier yeah. than any brownie could ever make me. And I think that's a great message to get across to, for people because they always think that they're going to miss something if they give up sugar or mm-hmm. give up the brownie or give up whatever it is. 
And they actually feel free once they've made that decision. I've heard that in the counseling room over and over. And I mean, you yeah. you must hear that too, in, yeah. Kristen, in classes. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I just don't. Yeah, I just don't do. I just don't eat that, mm-hmm. and that's it. Right. And it's not a choice any longer. And I don't have to struggle in my brain back and forth. Yeah, they need that do boundary. I or do I not? You know. Yeah. They yeah. need the boundary. Yeah. I think it helps. Yeah, well, I think for abstainers, I think a lot of times people feel like cravings become overwhelming. Like if I crave something, I'm going to want it more and more and more. But what the research shows is that if you don't satisfy a craving, if you're like, well, you just can't have that, then it goes away. And what happened for me is like now I see things that would have once been extraordinarily tempting to me. Like say the bowl, like when you go into a store and office and there's like a little bowl of candy there, like free yep. candy that you didn't expect <laughs> and it's just one little piece. And yes. you know, that was like my, my downfall. That kind of thing, or like sitting in an in a in a meeting where there's a plate of cookies for like three hours, just sitting there, like take a cookie anytime. Um, <laughs> no. But then once I decide, well, I don't eat that. It's just like I might as well be sitting with a bag of uncooked flour. Right. I, I just don't eat it, so it doesn't tempt me. It doesn't even weigh on my mind. I don't think about it because it's like, oh yeah, I, that's that's not the kind of stuff I eat. So whatever, you know, I, I just it doesn't even send any like those little flashing bells off in my in my brain because i'm just like yeah i don't eat that so great you know doesn't great. matter well let's switch to another habit changing strategy you discussed in the book better than before mastering the habits of our everyday lives and you kind of touched on this a little bit that convenience versus inconvenience yeah yeah that's a great one and so yeah. like you were saying it's you know, sometimes people won't buy the chips because they know they'd have to drive to the store if they actually wanted some. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about those. Well, to a just kind of crazy degree, we're influenced by how convenient or inconvenient something is. And this can be a powerful tool for us to use in our habits because we want to make anything we want ourselves to do to be as convenient and pleasant as possible. <laughs> um because something feels more convenient if it's pleasant, if it's easy, if you have good tools, things like that. And then you want to make something that you don't want to do as inconvenient as possible. So like with the ice cream, if it's in the fridge, that's easy. If you have to go drive to the store and buy one ice cream cone, that's less convenient. And like, and there's all different ways you can do it. Somebody was telling me how she turned her freezer to the very, very coldest level because what she had found was that she, she was a moderator, so she wanted to have the ice cream in the house. But when she kept her freezer less cold, she could kind of scoop up these mushy spoons of ice cream and, like, race through it. But then when it was hard, she had to really chip away. And so she got a little bit of ice cream, and then she'd be like, whatever, I had my fun. But because, by, because she, you know, for moderators, they just want that little bit. But she was, by the time she felt like she'd had her little bit, she'd eaten a lot of ice cream. Sure. That's she could only eat a little bit of ice cream before she wore it out. So for her, that was a way to be a moderator, but to use the strategy of inconvenience to be more moderate in her moderation. So she wasn't, she didn't have that feeling of deprivation, um, but she had changed her habits. Um, and with exercise, you see this, I mean, you know, if you're thinking, should I go to the gym that's right across the street from my office, or should I go to the one that's a little bit cheaper that's a block away? Mm-hmm. Holy cow, if you can possibly afford it, go to the one that's right across the street. Exactly. Every little bit of inconvenience is going to be just that much more of a barrier. The yep. easier something is, the more likely we are to do it. Um, and this can be a place to splurge. It's a good place to, you know, um, uh, spend a little money if you can afford it because, like, let's say good tools make things feel more convenient. So let's say you decide you're going to cook more at home. You don't want to get, get takeout. You don't want to buy processed stuff. You want to cook. So maybe you buy yourself a beautiful set of knives because 
good knives make cooking so much more pleasant, no. you know, for people who are real. I don't cook myself. <laughs> all my cook friends No, tell it's me. true. <laughs> you know, but they're expensive. But if yeah. you really want to commit to it, you know, having that pleasant tool that just makes it that much easier, that might help you stick to that habit. You know, so you want to be looking for these opportunities um, to add every bit of convenience to the good habit and add every possible inconvenience to the bad habit. You know, one of the ones that I tell people in the counseling room all the time is buy a crock pot with a timer on it so mm. that you can actually just put your meat in, set it for four or five hours, and it's all cooked. It's very convenient. It's easy. You don't even have to. It's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. It's, right. you know, and it works very well for people. And, right. you know, I think the other one is, you know, you don't, you don't buy chips. No, I mean, I don't, you know, I know a few people that can eat uh, two or three chips, like my daughter-in-law, she can do that, close up the bag and forget it's around. Yeah, yeah, she's an anomaly. (laughs) (laughs) She's a moderator. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Extreme. Yeah, Yeah. an extreme moderator. (laughs) But most people are not wired that way no so do we have to take another break yep, here we so, do. okay one more hold on Gretchen. all right you are listening to dishing up nutrition this week in the news very exciting we learned that general mills is ditching the artificial colors Yay. and flavors yeah another step in the right direction um in many of their cereals so they're getting rid of red number 40 yellow number six blue number one don't those sound like delicious ingredients are we gonna <laughs> yeah. miss those <laughs> but that was the good news but Everyone, please still remember, cereal is still going to turn into a lot of sugar in our bodies, which is the stuff that creates inflammation and body fat. So just because the dyes are gone doesn't mean everyone should start eating cereal. No, that's right. Um, A new study reported in the Journal of American Medical Association found 37% of American women and 35% of American men are obese. Not just overweight. uh, Obese, clinically obese, yes. So that's two out of every three women being considered overweight or obese. So um, we need to put a check in place on the cereals and things because this is a severe health risk. So if you're struggling with this issue, we offer two successful solutions for you. Make weekly appointments with one of our nutritional weight and wellness nutritionists. And you can do that um, over the phone, over Skype. It doesn't have to be in person. Or sign up and attend the Nutrition for Weight Loss program starting July, the week of July 7th. Um, you know, after the 4th of July, it's like a clean slate, right? Yep. But do not go off the rails until July 4th. It is a ways off yet. Um, start and stay with your program when you start it. Until you are successful, until it's permanent, like we were talking about. So until you meet that goal. And sometimes that means you you take the Nutrition for Weight Loss program second, third, fourth time. We've got lots of people that just keep going for the support. So for an appointment or to sign up for a class, call 651-699-3438. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. So, Gretchen, people can find your book, Better Than Before, Mastering the Habits of Everyday Lies. Where where can they find your book? Gretchen? Whether you like to buy online or you like to go into a store, you like to use the library, and there's an audio book, too. I'm the one reading it. A lot of people ask me if I, if I read it. I do read it. That was so fun. <laughs> um, I also have a podcast called Happier, 
with Gretchen Rubin where I talk about all this kind of things. Happiness, good habits, with my sister, the one who's free from French fries. <laughs> um, she's hilarious and brilliant, and so we talk. It's a 25-minute weekly podcast, um, and it's super exciting. We've had more than 1.7 million downloads just since we launched wow. a month ago. So happier with Gretchen Rubin. And on my site, <coughs> GretchenRubin.com, I post just about every day with some kind of, you know, interesting fact or research or some experience that I've had or whatever it might be um, about happiness and good habits. And there's a lot of resources there. One of them is uh, one very popular download is eating better than before. So looking mm. through um, how you can, you know, some ideas about that often work for people who are trying to change their eating habits. And also for a lot of people, and I, I'd be curious if you've seen this yourself, for a lot of people, accountability groups are really helpful. They need, a lot of people need accountability. They need mm-hmm. somebody to be keeping them on track. <clears throat> and so I have a starter kit for people who want to form these groups together. And it, could be for, it doesn't matter what the habit is. People don't have to be working on the same habit. They just have to be committed to being a group, you know, like AA or Weight Watchers, a group that's like, how's it going? What are you doing? We're kind of looking over your shoulder mm. to see that you're staying on track and giving you ideas if you're, if you're struggling, giving you encouragement. Um, but also giving you that feeling of accountability. That's, um, I mean, that's so kind crucial. of, Gretchen, that's kind of what our nutrition for weight loss classes do too. You well, know, and we, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize that's the key thing. It's yeah. accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about monitoring in the time we have left. That's another yeah. strategy that you talk about, Gretchen, if you'd go ahead and, and share your thoughts on that one. Monitoring is almost like a magical thing. Um, if we just pay attention to how much we're doing something, we tend to do a better job of it, even without consciously trying to change. Um, if you use a step counter, you tend to walk more just because you know how much you're doing. Exactly. And the oldest advice, but it is very, very sound advice, is to keep a food journal. When you know what you're eating, how much you're eating, when you're eating, when you just keep track of that, you just automatically start to do a better job of eating more healthily. But I often think that people under sort of don't warn you, it can be tricky and difficult to keep a food journal. This is something that I do, but it, it, it is something that you really have to pay attention to. And there's all kinds of apps and food journals. You know, I think some people want to do something on their phone. Some people want to do something on paper. Mm-hmm. You, you really have to, again, think like what's going to work for you. But it's really very powerful because when you're paying attention to how it's very easy not to realize or to, or to remember kind of your good moments and then kind of gloss over the moments <laughs> where you maybe weren't keeping up the good habits that you wanted to. And this just keeps you honest with yourself. Um, and that could be a very, very powerful strategy. Absolutely. You know, you know, one of the things that we have found working with people is that some people, because they've had to do these food journals in the past, they almost, they really hate doing it and they, they resist. And yeah. so I always tell those people, okay, that's fine. You don't have to keep track, but just write down what you're going to eat tomorrow. Oh, good and idea. And then just do it, right. you know? And right. then again, I think what that is, is if you make that decision, yeah. then you're not back and forth in your brain. Do I do it? I don't, I do it. Do I do it? You know? Yeah. And then, and then it works with that person. So, um, I don't know. Right. We we have a little food journal that we call the magic within me because that's exactly what it does is when you start to keep track, it is like magical. Yeah. 
But again, you have some of these people that just, we know, they just absolutely refuse because it has been a painful experience for them in the past because they've had to sit down with a nutritionist or a dietitian or a coach or someone and go over the mistakes that they made. (laughs) And they don't want to do that. Well, and we really like to impress upon them that it's just data. It's just, you know, we're all an experiment of one. You yep. you just need to write down what you did and there isn't judgment, but we have to figure out if what you're doing is working for you or not. So well, to I just write often, what, one of my favorite strategies in the book is the strategy of loopholes, which is the yeah. loopholes that we invoke to get let ourselves off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot one big loophole is this doesn't count. Right. And you know, it's like, well I'm on vacation. That doesn't count. It's my birthday, that doesn't count. And it's like everything counts. Yeah. That's the thing I think about a food journal is you're like it doesn't matter that you're on Las Vegas and it's your birthday and it's your bachelorette party. <laughs> uh, it still counts. Yep. Um, but here's an interesting thing that I just read. It was talking about online food journals that have all the information filled in. Mm-hmm. And they said that for people who really like to track it, it almost created a perverse incentive. Because if you buy processed food, you get very – it tells you exactly what's in it because – it's known exactly what's in it. But, like, if you cook your own meatloaf, it's very arduous to enter in all the... <sighs> oh, so bad. So they were yes. saying for some people, it actually was maybe nudging them yeah. toward process. food that they could buy already made. I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't think about that, but I can exactly see sure. it. It's so annoying when you're like, oh, my gosh, I made this weird salad. Who knows what's in it? <laughs> you know, did I put in one egg or two eggs? And, like, how much meat was that? I don't know. Yeah. So, so, Gretchen, we just have a few more minutes, but I want to talk, have you, would you talk about safeguards? How do you build in safeguards for yourself? Well, you just alluded to that. Exactly. Think about it in advance. So the strategy of safeguards is to anticipate problems, to plan to fail. Um, and by thinking about, well, what am I going to do when I go on vacation? What happens when I hurt my foot? What happens when my kids are home from school, from camp? Um, what do I get to do on my birthday? What happens if there's a party at work? Uh, what's going to happen during the holiday season? And to really have safeguards in so that you, because what you said was exactly right. When you think in advance, you're kind of in this cool, calm state. And you're thinking, well, what am I going to do in the future? And then you make that decision. Then when the, when the moment comes and you're faced with some kind of temptation or some kind of decision, it's going to be much easier for you to make the right choice because you've already gone through it in your mind and you've anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the strategy of safeguards is one where if we plan for the things that we think we're going to have problems with, um, then when we're actually in that moment, we're going to figure it out. And that's why habits are so powerful because exactly. making decisions is draining and using <laughs> self-control is difficult. And when something's a habit, then you don't have to use decisions or, or self-control. You just do it. So it's like, um, you know, are you going to have dessert tonight? No, you're not. Right. Are you going to have dessert tomorrow night? No, you're not. Oh, you're on vacation on a, you know, all-you-can-eat inclusive cruise. Are you going to eat dessert? No, you're not. Because it's already been decided. You don't have to use willpower. You don't have to use decision. But again, it's like, oh, what are you going to have? If you think about, oh, I'm going to go to this cocktail party. There's going to be eggnog. There's going to be cookie. There's going to be delicious hors d'oeuvres. What am I going to eat? And maybe you want to have one cup of eggnog. That, you're a grown-up. You can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but if you plan that in advance, then you know what you're going to do. And also you feel in control of yourself because you're like, this was my plan. I executed on my plan. Mm-hmm. It's not but- like you got there and were like, oh, my gosh. I don't know. What am I going to do? I'm right. overwhelmed. Oh, I'm going to have, you know. But if you know, if you have that one glass of eggnog and you know the next day you're not going to feel well, 
then you need to practice your habit that you've already built in. You're the I abstaining. Mean, yes. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we really have incorporated a lot of the same information in our nutrition for weight loss classes. And so I, I think... Gretchen, thank you for It's been being, awesome having yes. you, Gretchen. Yes. Oh, thank you. I feel like we could talk about this all day. I know. We could. Thank you for being on, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.